the inaugural issue of the New Thinking Aloud magazine was just released on March 1st. You can download a free PDF copy from the New Thinking Aloud Foundation website. Thinking Aloud Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm also Jeffrey Mishlove. We're the same person, really, but somehow, to be honest, I find it more effective communicating in a monologue fashion if I have myself as an extra helper. In a couple of days, this Sunday, April 2nd, 2023, I'll be conducting a live stream event, uh, and we announce it as Ask Your Toughest Questions. So today, what I thought I would do is share with you what are some of the toughest questions that I ask myself. It's really very relevant because I'm in the middle of asking myself a really tough question. Is my old friend Ted Owens trying to communicate to me from the afterlife? That's the question I'm still trying to resolve. And for those of you who follow these in-presence monologues, you'll know that two of them previously, one last December 28 is when I first announced it. Now, today is March 27. So, we're 89 days out of an experiment that I announced on December 28 would last for 90 days. It's nearly complete. And I'm still scratching my head trying to figure out, is this real or is this a fantasy? Now, let me be very clear. If you watch that video issued on December 28th, what you would have heard is that the test was set up to measure temperature in Ukraine for 90 days, starting on the 28th of December, and that uh, we should have statistically significant warmer weather during the last 90-day period. And what I said is, if that doesn't happen, we can look back and you can say, Jeffrey, you were deluded. This was all a fantasy. It didn't happen. Now, I have yet to analyze the weather data. I don't know for sure, but I suspect that while it was indeed warmer in Ukraine over the last 90 days, then, for example, as compared to the average temperatures in that country over the previous five years for this 90-day period, uh, basically January, February, March, I don't think that the final result will be statistically significant. And to make matters worse, I've discovered it's a lot harder to do a statistical evaluation on the weather than I had assumed uh, at first, because uh, the weather is intercorrelated with itself by time and by space. So, even though I can uh, put together probably over a thousand data points measuring the temperature at the end of the day, I'll probably say the average temperature was three degrees warmer. And if we compare that historically, 
with the average temperatures uh, in Ukraine from summer to summer, three degrees, uh, while significant, very significant, because we're talking about probably below freezing and above freezing, it's not statistically significant. That's my best guess at this point without having run the numbers. Uh, I did have one viewer reach out to me and say, look, the uh, warmer weather in Ukraine during the last 90 days has prevented the Russians from launching a major offensive that they were planning to launch, but the ground wasn't frozen and those heavy tanks would have gotten stuck in the mud uh, because of that slight weather difference in Ukraine. Now, I've been unable to evaluate it, but even if true, and where it has military significance for the situation in Ukraine, it wouldn't be what I specified in December 28th in my monologue then. So, uh, not having done the analysis, I am pretty sure at this point it'll be the case that whatever it was I specified was going to happen on December 28th has not happened. Should I say then, bottom line, that the exercise was a failure, that uh, the PK man, Ted Owens, uh, has not really uh, communicated to me. The whole thing was an illusion. I think I'm dancing on the head of a pin because, on the one hand, yes, absolutely, the from my perspective today, on the 27th of March, the experiment was a failure. I have no reason to confirm uh, that Ted Owens has actually been in communication with me. But now let's look at the other side of the coin. And this is why I say I'm dancing on the head of a pin. Ted Owens reached out to a viewer Javier Flores is his name, who lives in Germany. He's a deep meditator. I've had quite a bit of communication with him, and he made a point of taking careful notes on his meditations and waiting for months so that he could be sure for himself that his subjective experience was authentic and not just a fantasy before he reached out to me in an email and said that Ted Owens had appeared to him in a meditative state and asked him to pass on a message to me telling me that if I wanted to communicate with Ted Owens and he knew I had questions for him, which at the time, interestingly, I did, that uh, he would be available to reach out to me in meditation. Subsequently, I did indeed endeavor to reach out to him in meditation. And when I felt that I had done so, and it was in something of a hypnagogic state, half asleep, half awake state, that it came to me. And that's the very day that I recorded the monologue on December 28th. And I can report that the subjective feeling at that time was very real. It felt like I was excited to be in touch with him, that uh, he had made an agreement with me, and that I felt optimistic that we were going to see results. As I reported on my subsequent in presence monologue that was released in February, as I recall, that did seem as if 
although it wasn't specified uh, in the initial monologue, there were extraordinary results. Within a couple days of my announcement, by January 1st, all of Europe was hit with an extraordinary heat dome. The meteorologists were puzzled. Well, I reported all of this in February. It was an extreme weather event, so much so that the meteorologists who follow extreme weather events said, this one is insane. Thousands of temperature records were broken all across Europe in one day. And indeed, the temperature in Europe overall has been much warmer during this 90-day period. I plan to do an analysis, but even then, I'm not sure it will be statistically significant uh, due to the difficulties of uh, running that statistical analysis. If, for example, the temperature in Europe is five or six degrees warmer than it had been on average for the last five years during the same time frame, that might not be statistically significant. It might need to be seven or eight degrees warmer on average, and I'm not sure that uh, that occurred. Although you have to take into account that the last five years were amongst the warmest years on record. So, uh, there's no doubt if you look at the uh, graph of the temperature that uh, Europe has been heating up over the last 20, 30 years, it's very clear. Well, I've had the opportunity to communicate with some friendly skeptics, Steve Browdy, the philosopher, Michael Seduth, the philosopher, who have both weighed in on this question of uh, life after death and uh, basically saying, while the evidence is quite intriguing, it's not a slam dunk by any means. Although for me, I don't have any question about it because of the visionary experience I had, a dream visitation with my uncle Harry that I've reported on that changed my whole life. So, is life after death a possibility? Absolutely. Is Ted Owens, when he was alive, were his psychokinetic abilities, his precognitive abilities real? Absolutely, in my experience. I studied the man for 10 years. I witnessed all sorts of events during that time that he said he would cause including ending droughts, including lightning strikes all across California that burned 300,000 acres, including a UFO appearance that was photographed, and the photograph was published on the front page of a local newspaper, as Ted Owens said, and including the day I'll probably never forget, Christmas Eve, 1985, when Ted Owens called me on the telephone and said, Jeffrey, this is the most important phone call you will ever receive. It's up to you now. You have to warn the U.S. government not to launch the next space shuttle, because if it is launched, it will be blown out of the sky. And of course, a month later, the Challenger did indeed explode. So, I have grounds for accepting the reality of afterlife communication and the reality of Ted Owens. I, for example, did consult a psychic, a good friend, Miranda Alcott, who's been interviewed on this program many times. She's an animal communicator, and she reached out and uh, 
We had a conversation with Ted Owens, mediated by Miranda. You could say it was sort of telepathic, that uh, he was speaking and she was reporting to me what he was saying. And I can tell you this, no factual information came across during the reading that would change my mind about uh, the lack of evidence for the authenticity of all of this. However, at the emotional level, it did feel real. There was a sense of excitement. There was Ted Owens' characteristic sense of humor that was coming through. And later on, when I communicated with Miranda about it, she said that it felt very real to her. But the story goes even deeper. And uh, I'm going to relate to you the, the what I guess I regard as the deepest part of the story, which is when Miranda first communicated to me that uh, she does do work with the deceased. And I asked her to help me out because I think a friend is knocking on my door, a deceased friend. That was the phrase I use, knocking on my door. And so Miranda did agree to do this reading for me. But that night, as I was sleeping, I was awakened in the middle of the night by a loud knocking on my door. Woke me up, I thought for sure. Somebody is physically knocking on my door. But then I listened and listened, and I realized nobody was there. The knocking I heard was in my dream. So I went back to sleep. And I had another dream, a whole series of vivid dreams after I went back to sleep. And the upshot of it is I actually acted. I did something. I took ownership of those dreams. And uh, without going into the details of why I did what I did, I ordered a Daruma doll. I'm going to show a picture of this Daruma doll. It's an example of a, a Japanese, uh, you could call it a, a um, folk practice where you paint, when you set a goal, you paint in one of the eyes of the Daruma and you wait until the goal is actualized before you paint in the other eye. And so I did that with the idea that uh, the actualization of the Daruma vision would be to set up an experiment to create a really hardcore experiment testing whether the deceased Ted Owens could perform psychokinetic actions of the kind he did when he was alive from the afterlife. And that would be like producing lightning, ending droughts, uh, creating warm weather in winter, cold weather in summer. Uh, he used to even do things like stop the lava flow from volcanoes. There were earthquakes, power blackouts, etc. Volcanic activity in, in his demonstration. So, I was hoping to actually uh, create that. So, there sits my Daruma doll with one eye painted in, and I'm not quite clear what is the goal anymore. The goal is to figure out whether Ted Owens is really there. Is he really trying to communicate with me? The fact that uh, he, we didn't achieve what I thought was promised, 
warmer weather in Ukraine, supposedly. As I say, I haven't run the analysis, but I'm pretty sure. But we did achieve these remarkable experiences in the heat wave that hit all of Europe and had a big impact on the war, as I've documented in my February monologue. That's not so atypical of the way Ted Owens used to operate. So at least the possibility that this is still real exists. And all I can do is be patient and wait and see if something more concrete emerges. Until now, it hasn't. And so the lesson in all of this is living with ambiguity, realizing that It's probably a situation at the moment that I would have to describe as neither here nor there. It might not be a total fantasy, but I don't have enough evidence to suggest that it's real. It might not be real. It might be a total fantasy, but there's enough of... uh, side effects and clues uh, and reasons for me to keep pursuing the question. Uh, Though fortunately for me, there's no urgency about it. I can be patient. Let me leave you with this. What are the situations in your life that in which you are compelled to tolerate ambiguity as much as you would like a definitive answer. And how do you deal with ambiguity in your life? Are you comfortable with it? Or does ambiguity make you very uncomfortable? I learned when I was an undergraduate in college that the most creative people, according to the studies of Frank X. Barron, are people who are able to tolerate ambiguity. So, Let me leave you with that thought. Are you able to tolerate ambiguity? Could you do more for yourself in that direction? Or perhaps do you feel the need for less ambiguity in your life? I'll leave you with that thought. And thank you for being with us. Indeed, thank you for being with us. 